The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. Best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! Georgian Fox. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. Late February, lots to talk about. The sun's starting to shine. The snow's melting. I'm starting to get hype again for just, like, doing this all the time. I almost did, out of, like, I don't know, force of habit from, like, a year and a half ago, I almost did the full intro, like, the ladies and gentlemen, which, I mean, I don't even listen to this show. Um... So I don't hear it, but like I recorded it one time because 
the first season of the show, I just kept doing it. And, like, if I was sick or my voice cracked, it became, like, a whole thing of having to do it again and again. Same way players need to get ramped up for the season, we need to get ramped up also after taking a, a four-month hiatus. So we got to get our bodies right and our voices right, same way they do. Yeah, that's all it is. I'd love to go outside and play catch in shorts. This is a, this would be a beautiful day for catch, and I think it's supposed to get a little warmer coming up. Is it? I thought it was supposed to. I hope so, because like I'm tired of – we're in the Northeast. I mean, I know we have people who listen kind of all over, uh, but like in the Northeast, we're in this phase where there's just been snow on the ground for like three, four weeks, and I've had enough. I don't get excited by snow. When you're a kid and you get school canceled and different things and excitement about it, it's one thing. But at this point, when you're working from home as an adult, there's not much to get excited about. One thing a lot of people are excited about, Brett Gardner is coming back. Listen to this contract, how ridiculous it is. This is from Bob Bob Nightingale. Brett Gardner's deal with the Yankees is official. It is a two-year, $5.15 million contract. He will earn $1.85 million in 2021 with a $1 million signing bonus. He has a $2.3 million player option for 2022. If he declines, Yankees have a $7.15 million option with a $1.15 million buyout. What the hell? Why does that have to be so complicated? Well, this is like, I mean, the Zach Britton contract. Uh, the Justin Wilson contracts kind of like this. They've like just created these like choose your own adventures. Uh, and so one thing about analyzing baseball that really just made it possible for me, like in any way, is that there's no salary cap and you just spend money. When I hear about like the NFL and it's like, oh, we've got they've got dead cap money and dead, I'm like, what is dead? The guy's not on the team anymore. Why does it count? Like I don't know. How any of that shit works, mid-level exemptions in the NBA or whatever, like, I don't understand any of that stuff. So, these are all, like, at the end of the day, then all the reporters summarize, like, he's guaranteed $5 million. After we just paid him $2.5 million, we paid him $2.5 million to not be on the team this year. Right, in November, when yes. they declined an option, yep. And now we're going to pay him pretty much the same to be on the team this year. So he's making like $5 million this year, and then he's guaranteed at least two point something next year. Or there's like a $7 million option for it. I mean, whatever funny math they have to do to manipulate the the luxury tax, fine. But everybody's getting excited about Brett Gardner coming back. <laughs> I mean, it's a why, if we just said, because it's like a million dollars and then like a signing bonus, if we just said, hey, Brett, here's a million dollars for one year, I think he also takes that. And I I'm not too. saying Brett Gardner's a bad guy or a terrible player, because everyone likes to think if I criticize anything Yankees, I just hate everyone, right? Like, I, you know, I asked a question today, like, am I crazy to think that maybe we overpaid? And people are like... Oh, you're, you know, you, you, you of course, because you like to hate on everyone. And so I broke it down because I'm not doing the math of last year's shit. But in 2019, we paid about $2.1 million per win as a team. Won 103 games, had whatever, 200-something million dollar payroll. And that 103 wins was a bit of a surprise, you know, we knock 10 off that, that price per win goes up 
dramatically. So last year, Brett Gardner had a war, which is wins above replacement, of .7. So not even a full win. So that would average out. That would be about $1.5 million that we should guarantee him, not $5 million. He should be playing for free because we already gave him $2.5 million. Yeah, that's fair. At the end of the day, though, I think the cap hit, the luxury tax hit is $2.75 million, which is which is fine for me. This was Everybody's got a hot take on Gardner. People either love him and think he should be in Monument Park or they, they can't stand him. To me, this was just like, eh, that's cool. You know, move along. I, I thought about it for a couple of minutes and then I moved on. It's something I always thought was inevitable. I said that last week. I thought it was inevitable he'd be back by April 1st. For me, it's about the center field depth. The same way I don't like being one calf strain away from Tyler Wade playing shortstop, I didn't want to be a calf strain away from Mike Talkman being the everyday center fielder. So gives me some comfort there. But at the same time, if this stops us from you know getting a middle infielder at some point, then it's kind of a problem. Yeah, I don't hate the deal. I'm just asking the question. Like, could we have gotten him for less? You know, because I was, I love Derek Jeter. I'd do anything for Derek Jeter. Aside from go to Cooperstown in the middle of July, I wouldn't do that. But (laughs) at the end of his career, like, I also said he was making too much money. Like, I don't get paying people for, like, years of service or whatever. Give Do that after they retire. Like, if you want to give Brett Gardner a million dollars this year and then pay him as a consultant $2 million next year, pay him $2 million to not play that doesn't count on you know, the luxury tax. You can pay your coaches whatever you want to pay them. Yeah, and Mike uh, Mike Quiz from Bronx Pinstripes made a great point today where he said, I guess this is Gardner's age 37 season, and the Yankees guaranteed him whatever million. And during Bernie Williams' age 37 season, they gave him a minor league invite. So you kind of look at it and you're like, huh? Yeah, they love they love Gardner. I do think the leadership thing is a little bit overblown. I think anytime people talk about intangibles, I think it was a little overblown with with CC too. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be the difference. I mean, DJ Voigt, these guys should be able to lead, Judge should be able to lead. I don't think you necessarily had to bring him back for the quote-unquote clubhouse. No, not in Garrett Cole's fucking clubhouse. Right. <laughs> That's there's a new guy in town who's in charge. You know, it's just, it's not Brett Gardner. And I think, I don't think Brett Gardner, his personality fits that full leadership role. Cause he's more of like, like there are different kinds of leaders. There's the leaders who are like, who yell and it's like, this is what you need to do. And then there are leaders who like relate to you on a personal level and can motivate you. And Gardner is the temper tantrum yell guy. He's not going to motivate you to be better. So I don't necessarily believe, like, veteran presence? Yeah. Will he not, you know, we'll talk about will he get in trouble off the field? Will he get arrested and things like that? No, he's not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. But I don't know. Don't, you know, he's he, he's not the captain. He's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Like, this is cool. I'm cool with this. You're cool with this. I'm not celebrating. I'm not pissed. You know, it's like when somebody texts you something and you respond word. Like, all right, word. This is cool. Yeah. Great. When someone sends you something and you just write back, ha ha. It means right. I have moved on from this topic. Yeah. Approved. Move on. Moving on. Spring training. I knew last week when we were doing this show that we would have an injury to talk about for the next show today. That was the biggest lie. <laughs> I mean, is it? Be- the only surprise is that. <laughs> It didn't happen two months ago, and we're just finding out. Right. (laughs) So Clark Schmidt has an extensor strain in his right elbow, otherwise known as tennis elbow. He's going to be shut down three to four weeks and then start throwing. 
If you know anything about the way they've handled Clark Schmidt, they've handled him with kid gloves. They didn't want to bring him up last year. They were forced to when they had one of those ridiculous stretches of double headers with the Orioles. They are going to, you know, baby him along. When, when I hear he's shut down for three to four weeks, I'm thinking I'll see you at the All-Star break. They're not going to rush him at all. The All-Star break, yes, in 2022. <laughs> if not 2023. Like, yeah, I mean, Clark Schmidt, uh, he's got blonde hair. He's got a doughy face. He's a Yankee. So, I mean, listen, you hope because he's, he's early in his career. He's only 25. Um, you know, he's a uh, he, he throws hard. He's a good he's a good guy who can be a piece of this rotation down the road. I was not you know, there are certain guys who I point out that I say, like, well, if this guy is playing a huge role, Tyler Wade, Mike Talkman. We are in a lot of trouble. They're, you know, we're not winning the World Series with these guys as key contributors. Can Clark Schmidt be a key contributor to a World Series team? Yes. In twenty twenty, in twenty twenty one, probably not. Like it's just he's our number two prospect. I get that, but part of people getting upset about these injuries, like I, I just laugh at it because it's like what we expect. But like Clark Schmidt wasn't going to be our number two starter this year. So if he wants to take three weeks, four weeks, like that's three or four weeks that he's shut down. Then he's got a sort of throwing program, minor league. So if we get him back as an option by the all-star break, that's great. If he's the number one starter in Scranton by the all-star break, that's even better because it means we haven't needed him. We haven't had to rush him through. We don't have to worry about re-injuries, setbacks, et cetera. Yeah, the ideal role for Clark Schmidt in an ideal Yankee season is he makes a couple of doubleheader starts. He, you know, he does some long work if starter gets blown up in the first or second inning. Like that's where he falls in. You know what this reminds me of is James Caprillion. They're both first round picks. They were both highly advanced coming out of college. Both throw hard and just just keep getting hurt. Clark's already had Tommy John. He's had a, in college. He's had a few other injuries as a Yankee. This really isn't surprising to me. He's basically been injured. I mean, for the past, I don't know, five, six, seven years, whatever it is, he's starting to feel like another Caprillion. Caprillion follows me on Twitter, and he's been a very nice guy and a supporter. I didn't like when we uh, traded him because he's such a nice guy. Yes, apparently, everybody says great dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I can't get too upset about this because his last name's not Cole. You know, yeah. and if it if it's a situation where we can get through this year, win a World Series, and then, you know, Corey Kluber has proven himself to be a valuable free agent and he leaves. And Clark Schmidt is like, that's, you know, the time when you come in. And then we're looking at like, all right, Cole, Jameson, Seve, Schmidt, Monty. Like, that's a good, that's a good rotation right there, provided everyone gets to where they need to be. Yeah, and Boone babbles a lot and he kind of says a lot of nonsense but one thing he said in his opening presser that I think is true is that this is the deepest group of arms he's had since he's been here and I, I do think that's true they have seven or eight guys that could be at least average major league starters so I think that comes into play here this was going to be a depth guy let's be honest Clark probably wasn't going to make the roster at a camp he was not going to win the five starter job over Gumby Davey Herman I, I didn't see him jumping those guys anyway no so more of a depth thing down the line yeah no he um I, I, I hope it's nothing major. I hope we don't find out it's a tear. I hope in, you know, five weeks we're not talking Tommy John surgery. But it's just, you know, it's fun to joke around because we always have these injuries, but just keep it moving. Like, we'll be fine without him. 
Exactly. I agree. Another pitcher that we have to talk about that's you know a little bit uh, a little bit more solemn, Domingo Herman. The past week there's been a lot going on with Herman. Kind of started with the Zach Britton interview. Um, so Britton was asked about him. He said there's no place for domestic violence on or off the field. Totally agree with. But then Britton dropped in that last line, which I definitely thought was a little questionable. And, and let me be clear, Domingo Herman is 100% to blame here. He's acted like a scumbag. This is all his fault. Obviously, this isn't Britton's fault. But I do think the line where Britton said you can't pick and choose your teammates I just I don't see what that accomplishes to say something like this and I I think it kind of created some awkwardness yeah my issue with those comments in the whole you know situation obviously my my issues with Domingo Herman but I'm talking about this like conversation was the media is fishing there they're looking for something like this to say you know so they could get their headline and they got their headline they got that quote you know, if there's no place for it on or off the field, is not an interesting article. You don't get to pick your teammates. And I don't know if um, – so Britain has a history. There was someone with the Orioles in, like, 2012. I forget. I read the article a few days ago that he was outspoken against because it was a similar situation. Um, so he has a history, and he was very vocal about it, and that's great. In this scenario, unless he has privately, if he privately had gone to Brian Cashman, had gone to Aaron Boone and said, just so you know, personally, I am like voicing this, I do not want to play with this person. I'm a professional. I will do my job. But I'm letting you know I do not want to play with this person. It's a little... Um, like, there's nothing to gain there. All it does is now cause this kind of immense outside pressure on an already pressure-filled situation. If Britain had gone to them and said, I don't want this guy on the team, I don't want to play with him, and I will do everything in my power to make it so it's uncomfortable for him and so you your hand is forced and you've got to pick domestic abuser or me, and he went out and did this, then, hey, well played, you know? But... The Herman situation gets worse because we get the information. We get more that CC at CC's event he slapped his girlfriend, and then they went home, and he would continue to be violent. She locked herself in a room, called the girlfriend or wife of another player. That player and his significant other then went over, restrained Herman. No one called the police, so there's no police report and all that. And it's not quite on the same level in terms of visceral reaction, but it's similar to when it was one thing when you heard Ray Rice hit his girlfriend, it was another when you saw it. And personally, I'm a proponent of people uh, deserve second chances. And so when I heard he slapped his girlfriend, he had been drinking, and we had never heard of another thing happening. I believe that there is room for rehabilitation and counseling and, you know, whatever in their relationship for him as an individual, et cetera. When you hear more of the gory details, you're like, it's kind of two incidents. It happened here and then it happened at home, which makes it worse. So I think at like at this point, like I'm not going to not go to a Yankee game because Domingo Herman's pitching. That not right now with the current information I have. There is a, a threshold where I would not go, I would not, you know, support the organization, but I think they would never let it get there. Not me personally, 
<laughs> fans in general. Um, so I just kind of put my trust in the organization to like make the right decisions. Boone said, you know, he's there to provide support. I don't like that Boone said, you know, I hope he, uh, not that Boone said it. I don't like it came to the point that Boone said, I hope he addresses the team, but he has to do that on his own. And I read today that he did that earlier. He talked to the pitchers alone. Then he talked to position players. And whether that is like, hey, I did this and I'll never do it again, or hey, I did this. Here's what was going on in my life at the time. Here's how it got to that point. Maybe I was drinking too much. Maybe I was whatever. And here are the changes that I've made, you know, off the field, on the field. Hopefully you guys will give me a second chance. We don't know, and I don't think that we necessarily need to know that. I hope that nothing from his addressing the his teammates ever comes out for us. Because that's, that's a family they're building, you know, they're building something. But who knows? He could be out of town any day now. But someone will give him a chance. I mean, we took Chapman. We traded for Chapman. And then we signed him again. You're exactly right. And you know the Britain comments were influential because if you pay attention, when Aaron Boone was first asked about Herman, when pitchers and catchers reported, he said there were no plans for him to address the team. Then Britain did speak. He said what he said. Then Boone kind of changed his tune and he said, I'm here to support Herman and I hope he speaks. So, you know, he spoke today. I think he's going to speak again tomorrow to another group because of the the COVID protocols. They can only gather with so Uh, many people. But, you know, definitely ready for this to not be a story anymore. And hopefully he he gets it turned around and he keeps going to therapy. I know he's had some cryptic social media posts. He had the dune buggy accident. Like, you just want the guy to get right. Yeah, he tweeted something the other day and he's like, it's all over or something like that. And like, clearly, like the guy the guy maybe doesn't need to be around baseball right now because he has so much other stuff going on, you know, but again, I mean, at this point I trust the organization and there may be a point where I don't trust the organization. So we'll see. Hopefully we don't get to that point. One cool thing the organization implemented uh, this year is the gas station. Uh, the gas station is basically a shed or a garage with the, you throw bullpens in. There's a bunch of high tech cameras and ergonomic this and pitch trackers and all this high tech pitching stuff. Cressy's in there. Matt Blake's in there. This is where the pitchers are going to all be throwing their bullpens. They're going to be throwing it inside in the gas station. I absolutely love this name. I like the gimmicky stuff that they do. I think it's badass. And I love that the organization is constantly tinkering with things and, and high tech and technology and, and trying to get better. So I am 0% surprised that you love when they do. Like, I was going to say, like, I think the nickname's a little stupid, but whatever. Uh, but like, I'm fine with it if it makes them happy. Um, I disagree with what you're saying. Like, hey, you know, they're tinkering with stuff. I feel like this is the first time they've done it. I feel like there was no, hey, we're tinkering with stuff. It just, they went 0 to 100, which I love. Like, Sonny Gray has to be seeing these stories and being like, these motherfuckers. I'm in <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati now. I mean, I could be in New York. I could, you know, because that was his big issue was he was just like, they didn't have the technology that I needed. So I like that we're embracing it. I think when you talk about, you know, when you've got, you know, Cressy in there, we've made a lot of coaching changes and you have, like I said, Cole, Kluber, Jameson. I can't say his last name. Tyone. 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 It's going to take me a while. Yeah. I used to have this spell check to Shara every time I wrote blogs. Um, with those three guys and everything else we've said, like it changes the culture for the rotation, bullpen. So I like it. I, I feel like there's a much more 
we've moved away from the young and dumb, fun, young baby bombers. Now we're grown-ass men making grown-ass salaries. And, you know, we're giving them the tools that they need to do their job at, like, the highest, you know, we should have nothing better than the best. You know, anyone, if anyone in the league, you hear, oh, you know, Texas got whatever. We should have two of them, whatever the system is. And so I like that we're going in that direction. Yeah, and when you think about the team and the roster and then the organization where they should be investing and throwing money, it's at the pitching side. Look, as an organization, they've learned how to develop hitters. They've had prospect after prospect come up, hit, 30 homers, doubles. You know, They have prospects that can come up and hit. We haven't really been able to develop pitching. So if you were going to throw money at, at one side of the ball, I want you to throw money on the pitching side and copy whatever the Indians are doing. We brought in... You know, their director of pitching, Matt Blake, whatever these other teams, the Dodgers, the Indians are doing on the pitching side, just copy off them. It's, it's a copycat league, and this is what the successful teams are doing. Yeah, and that's a great point. Like, we're always, always talking about all the pitching we have coming. Always. And it just never comes. It never works out. I mean, people will point to Seve, but it's like he had a half a good season. Yeah, he hasn't and, pitched in two years. Yeah. So the potential's there, but the potential's always been there for all these guys. And now it's a matter of having the technology, having the tools to go about it. And then I just – I will continue to say all year at, until I'm wrong that Cole changes so much of that dynamic of like – nobody's missing a start time. You know? No, no 2018 savvy here. Yeah. No, one, no one's going to be late for a game. Everyone's going to be ready. I mean we haven't – Seen a ton out of camp yet because, you know, the COVID restrictions and stuff. But we're going to see, you know, we're going to continue to see. And I feel like it's it's just going to mean more. Like when the starter goes out to the bullpen to warm up, we're going to see the rest of the rotation out there with them. You know, let's build that. And the hope is that with those, you know, those three workhorses, the front, Seve, maybe halfway through the year or so, you really you build a core if guys can stay healthy where it's like we have the same rotation instead of the revolving door that we've had. And the Scranton shuttle, and, and we've both been very critical of the opener and bullpenning games and the bulk guy. We don't need to see Green and Nestor Cortez, yeah. you know, pitch the first five innings. We're over that. And you think about the pitching they've developed. They really haven't had many guys where there was a pitching prospect that exceeded expectations. No. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just, you know, we signed Cole, we gave the best pitcher the most money, but we haven't developed our own. Like you said, Seve for half a year, Herman had one good year, Gumby had a good half a season, but we haven't really had anybody put it together for multiple years. That's just like Andy Pettit. Right, and that's what you go back to. It's Pettit. Dellen was a reliever, so he doesn't count. Yeah, and he stunk as a starter. Like, he was <laughs> terrible as a starter. Yeah, awful. You know, so... Yeah, it goes back to Pettit. Like, you're talking about not bringing up a pitcher that contributes for a long time since 1995. We're almost 30 years since we've done that. So, you know, there's no excuses at this point because everything's there. There's not a piece of equipment that's missing. Yeah, exactly. I want, like, a, I, I don't know how they could do it without, like, giving away secrets, if, if there are secrets that they're keeping in there. But I'd love – because they always make, like, stupid videos at spring training. So yeah. I don't care about the nicknames, but I do like when they did, like, the scenes from the Sandlot and stuff like that, uh, when they recreate those. So do, like, an MTV Cribs at the gas station. They, and, you know um, – You know they're going to do a commercial. They did – what was the one they did last year where they were mechanics and Tanaka? Yeah. It's the viral – ready to go and yeah. they have all those, Yeah. 
Yeah, because I did the 161 guys, and they went, ready to go. And I thought they were doing something racist because it was on, like, their Tan- <laughs> uh, a Tanaka episode of there. I was yeah. like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I don't see the commercials because I have MLB TV. Same, um, just says this game but, is yeah, impossible. hopefully they do that. You know, you get to the mound, and you get to, like, the cheesy MTV cribs, like, this is where the magic happens, you know. Let's have some fun with it, guys. They are. They're going to get after it. And, you know, we're, we're looking to have some fun on April 1st. Uh, yesterday or today, Cuomo announced they're going to 25% capacity in New York for movie theaters, which is, movie theaters are inside the last time I checked. Yankee Stadium's outside. So that tells me that we are going to be at least 25% capacity at the stadium on April 1st. They're doing it indoors already. Are you confident in that as well? Yeah, so like, you know, AMC stock went up 17% today, so I'm only down 50%. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you're going to do indoors movie theaters, especially like as you're opening, as the weather's getting nicer, you know, as people want to be outside more, you're opening this indoor thing. Um, and I've said all along, since they announced the 10% in New York, I said, six more weeks of vaccinations, Yankee Stadium's at 25%. And there may, I mean, you're dealing with Cuomo, who's a scumbag. So there might even be some backdoor agreement of like, we'll be a vaccination site, but you get us up to 25% for opening day. Like, if we vaccinate this many people through our doors, we should be able to have this many people opening day. So I feel good about the 25%, getting somewhere in that eight to 10,000 fan number. Um, and that just increases the chance that we can go because, like, nobody knows what's going on over there. Like, the people who you would deal with for actual game day stuff, for tickets, they have no idea what's going on. And it's, you know, at, at the levels that we deal with, I'm sure at the director or VP levels, they have all sorts of – they have, like, Brett Gardner's contract of choose your own adventure uh, of which <laughs> way this could go. But, you know, we'll – I feel good about it. I feel confident that I will be in Yankee Stadium on April 1st. I do, too. I think we'll find a way. 25% of 47,000, that's at least 10,000, 12,000. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot better than 4,600, well, which is what we were looking so at. So you also got to factor in, like, well, where where are those seats? You know, they're not doing 10% of the cheapest seats. Right. You know, you, uh, a suite is 16 seats. You got to eat up all of those first. You know that's the first two thousand tickets or whatever it is. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure the four hundred level and the three hundred level are going to be very, very limited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why would you open it up? I did see like uh, was it Goodyear Stadium? You better get off that couch, dog. Um, Goodyear Stadium. I saw a picture of like the seats there, and they actually have. Kind of like, I guess it's like a bubble. There'll be like four seats, and then the seats next to them and behind them, they actually have zip ties that go through. Like, the seats happen to have holes in them in the backs, too. So they just straight up zip tie them. Like, these are the four seats. Only these four seats are available. There's no spreading out. There's no shifting your seat. The other seats physically cannot be sat in. So like, That works for me. How whatever you got to do, do, just get us to, yeah, just get me to a point where I can go. I'll wear a mask, I'll wear a hazmat suit, whatever whatever you want me to wear, I'll wear it and I'll, and I'll comply. Just double masked up, having a great time. Easy money. Uh, and then today, so we saw a couple of the beat reporters tweeted, uh, Stanton was getting some work in the outfield. To me, this guy hurt his hamstring playing in the outfield in 18. You know, he DH'd on it the rest of the year, but he did get hurt there. 19, he, he was hurt, played 19 games or 20 games. Last year, he got hurt running the bases 
To me, there is no upside to putting him in the outfield or doing outfield drills. I'd rather just DH him if it's going to get him more bats, even if it's only for 100 games, DHing, he's less likely to get injured. He could still get injured running the bases like he did last year. But to me, there is very little to gain by throwing him out in the outfield. I, I just don't understand the risk-reward with that. So why would we put Aaron Judge in the outfield? We have no choice. They both can't DH, but Judge is a little younger, and he's got to play right field. I mean, look, neither of them can stay healthy. Neither of them are, are good at staying healthy, but one of them's got to play the field. I So I don't think one of them has to play the field. I think they both have to play the field. I think the best case for Judge and Stanton is – so, like, neither one of them can play 162 games. Let's take out major injuries. Let's just say, even if they're healthy, they're not playing 162 games because – you know, you need days off. You're coming off a weird season. You're huge monsters. Dude, 140 best. Yeah. At best if there's no injuries. For each Hell, time. let's say 130, right? And if you can give me 40 games in the in right field from Stanton, which creates 40 games on top of him needing, you know, another 20 games off, 30 games off. So you've got 70 games now where that DH slot is open, where Aaron Judge can save his legs a couple of days and get get some at-bats in the DH spot, where you get to see if, you know, who knows what happens with Andujar. Um, maybe Gary is, you know, swinging a hot bat, but he needs half a day off. Like it create, Log jamming the DH position is just such – it's so crippling to your lineup. It's so crippling the flexibility because – you have to give other guys full days off or you have to give Stanton a full day off. And I think if we can get some kind of a platoon situation in right field between uh, Judge and Stanton, and it's Stanton's natural position, it's you know where he made it, and we're not looking for him to go out there five days a week, maybe twice a week in certain ballparks where it makes sense. Like, yeah, let's not play Stanton in right field in Boston. But when you only have to go six feet till till you're at the wall, play some of those games in New York. You know, get get some of those going. If you end up in like a big open outfield where we're not dealing with weird dimensions, like let him play there. I'm fine with that. Let him play in Philly. You know, but to say at 31 with 17 years left on his contract that we're gonna just sit here, he's just gonna DH for the rest of this contract. You're we're crippled. We are crippled as an organization. I agree that it does cripple you to extend. I remember with A-Rod, at the end with A-Rod, he, he couldn't play third anymore. He clogged up the DH spot. It got to a point where they paid him to go away in 2016 because he was clogging it up so bad. So I get that. It sounds like you basically want them to alternate. One you know, one game, one of them plays right. The other one DHs, then they switch. So they each play. And you work in days off. You work yeah, in a couple days six, off. 65 yeah. in right field, 65 at DH for each of them, ideally. That sounds like your ideal scenario. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, yeah. or even I'm not even saying like Stanton can play 40 games there. Judge can play 80 games there. We've still gotten to a covered 120 of the games. They'll have staggered days off at times. There'll be double headers where these guys need rest. But at this point and with like, you know, it's kind of a dynamic schedule this year, too, you know, because we're going to have more double headers because there will be games that have to get moved around and stuff like that. You've got to figure out some flexibility. I think you've sold me on this plan. I just this, think it's too early. Makes sense. Like, because honestly, the best case scenario 
the two best case scenarios are Stanton figures this out. He could stay healthy. He plays his 40 games in the outfield. Who knows? Maybe next year it can become 50. Maybe it stays at 40. Or he has a career-ending injury and we get insurance. Like, because we've just passed the point where it would have made more sense for Hal Steinbrenner to have him murdered, and he would have got off on parole before <laughs> the contract was over. Yeah. Like, he could have saved time by just killing the guy. So, I, it's just, at 31, you can't give up on this guy while you're signing. And I know Gardner's a different guy, but we're like, ah, let's get this 38-year-old in the outfield. Yeah, no, you're right. That that sounds good in theory. It sounds great here on February 24th. My only issue is, look, last year, Stan got hurt shagging fly balls the first week of camp. Like, it wasn't even a game. He was shagging balls, and he strained his calf. It would have been a two- or three-month injury if not for the shutdown. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, he's going to be able to give you 40 or 50 games in right field when he couldn't even get through a week of spring training doing it last year. Yeah, and so when you look at it and you say, all right, 18, he really battled. He DH'd a lot, but he, he, you know, he battled through when judge was on the shelf for a while where a lot of guys were injured. 19 pretty much missed the whole season. We played like eight games. Yeah. Um, Like 16. Yeah. Yeah. And then last year, you know, dealt with some injuries. Did a lot of DHing, things like that. It you know, had, you know, came off of a season that was missed and already had an injury. Now we've had a different training staff in there for an entire off season. We hear, I mean, we hear about changes these guys are making. Who knows, you know, what that really means. But I don't know. I just kind of want to clean slate it. I'm trying to do the same with Judge. You know, hey, let's clean slate it. Let's, you know, let's get going because the season's here. No one's traded. No one's gone. Let's, you're going to put on the pinstripes. I'm going to cheer for you. And the best case scenario is not 120 games at DH from Stanton and 120 games in right field for Aaron Judge. Yeah, a little bit of balance, and Judge is going to turn 29 in April, so he's not he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's almost 30. Yeah. So it's important it's important to give him time too. I think one area where me and you kind of agree is we've both gotten pretty cynical about these two just never playing, and I, and I think we're both kind of over it. Like I see a lot of people tweeting, "Oh, I can't wait to watch Judge play 140 this year," and I'm like, I just want to get through spring training with him in one piece. Like my expectations for both of these guys are so low because they've been on the IL basically the entire past two years. Yeah, well, because you're not even thinking about, like, how they're going to perform. You're thinking, like, will they be able to perform at all, you know, physically show up? So, you know, I am try- You know, it's tough to not be cynical after you look at last year. And I have my own issues with Judge. He obviously has his issues with me because he blocked me. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think the best thing for the team, best thing for the franchise is to not be looking at, a decade of Stanton as a DH. It just, it's just not sustainable at this point. You split them in right and DH. Clint gets buck thirty in left. Guardy gets thirty in left. You got Hicks in center with Talkman backing him up. That that seems like and Guardy play. Guardy's going to get some like center, yeah. Center, yeah. And because you do have to, as much as like yes, we you know we brought back Gardner as a fourth outfielder, um, and you know he's. He's the fourth outfielder, and hopefully he knows that, and, and you know, and all that stuff, which is great. You can't, like, we've got to turn the page. You've got to let Clint do his thing because we don't even know what we have with him because he hasn't like fully gotten that shot. So, you know, we'll, it, it's time to turn the page in the outfield, and it's time for it to be Clint Hicks, who hopefully isn't playing golf, and then a platoon Seriously. in right with Gardner as a backup. 
And now we're, I mean, we're a couple of hamstrings away from Talkman, but it's better than one. It is. No, you're absolutely right. So we just got done talking about Stanton, his injuries, Judge and his injuries. One thing Judge worked on in the offseason was dental work. So he was flashing, smile today at the press conference. He was cheesing so hard trying to show off that new smile. He, he smiled, I think, at least 10 times. I mean, he doesn't really smile that often. He, he was milking it. Hollywood Aaron? <laughs> I mean, Michael Strahan never fixed his teeth. Anthony Davis never shaved his, his eyebrow. And I just – I'm not saying that fixing his teeth is going to ruin him. I hope that we're just like BCAD, like, the, you know, before he got his choppers fixed and then after he destroyed the baseballs. Like, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. This is going to turn it around. But when you look at – and the thing that made Aaron Judge so special was not hitting 59 home runs. It was first guy in from the outfield. It was getting the judges' chambers and it not affecting him. It was all the off-field, the attitude, being humble, all of that stuff. I know he wasn't in Arizona, but when you get the girlfriend with the DUI, do you know who my boyfriend is? When you're ordering everything Aaron's way, and I'm not saying the guy can't make money off the field. When you're saying that, hey, I can't get – I shouldn't be on the I.L., I told the team I'm fine. Sit out for 10 days. Come back. Make it half a game. The boom box. There are these little things that get away from, like, everyone has this original persona of him in their head. And now we're, you know, we're removing the Invisalign away from Dancing with the Stars. Like, we're a healthy season away from him being on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, it's interesting to watch the evolution. And if it was me, if I was Aaron Judge, I would have done it after 2017. Like, if I was going to get some work done or fix something yeah. physically, I'm like, I'm surprised he waited four years. Like, my question is, why now? The timing. I don't like the timing. It's weird. And if you notice, we talked about the Super Bowl. In that Super Bowl picture, the gap was still there. So this is very recent. This had to be like last week or two weeks ago. Oh, I didn't even yeah. know that. Do you, oh. Now, do you think maybe Shaq? Where A-Rod was like, yo, you got to get this fixed. Like, do you think it was influenced from the Super Bowl box? No. But I also don't like, like, I get it. COVID numbers are going down. But it was like, ah, you're putting yourself a little at risk going to this event that you don't have to go to. Now you're just like, let me have someone put their hands in my mouth. What are we doing here? It is a little much. And another thing I'm going to say about the whole humble Yankee culture thing, these guys are pushing it with the facial hair and the hair rules. I mean, you got Higgy's got really long hair. Voight's got really long hair. Tyler Wade's got hair down to his shoulders. And if I was me and I was policing the clubhouse, if you lead the league in homers, Luke Voight, and you want to have, you know, your hair a little long, fine. But Tyler Wade and Higgy, and they got prospects, you know, pushing. I I don't like it, man. And some people are going to call me a boomer. But, like, if you're not a great player, you can't push it like that. I think people got away with it last year because it was like, oh, well, barbers aren't open or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're pushing it. And I don't like it because we haven't won the World Series in a very long time. And when it's guys like Tyler Wade, it's like, (laughs) dude, honestly, like who's running this team now? Let Pick up, have Cashman pick up a backup middle infielder, you know, towards the end of spring training. And before it gets announced, you cut 
Tyler Wade in front of everyone and say it's his hair. Make it like Mr. Burns with Don Mattingly. Like, shave those sideburns, Mattingly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Clean up, guys. We, I mean, I get it. You, they're showing their personality on social media, which I like. They are, you know, coming into their own. And some people are like, get rid of the rule. It's stupid. I don't know. You need a rule. You need some rules. Otherwise, it becomes romper room. I like the rule, and I've actually kind of researched it a little bit. And, you know, one thing I understand, you know, they are a little bit lax with the shaving. People get razor burn. They can't shave every day, or you maybe you have a skin condition. Fine. But there is no, there's no skin condition or condition where you need to have the flow, have the lacrosse haircut. That's just pure style. Yeah. No, some of these guys just need to get haircuts. That's all it is. It, because, and it's not even that, like, oh, the hair takes away from play on the field or anything like that. It just lets these guys think they can get away with stuff. Like, you need, I think I've told a story on here, in my frat house, you walk in, huge, beautiful staircase, and we had a plaque on the wall, and it said, like, this staircase is only for brothers and their family, da-da-da-da-da, and girls and girlfriends would come over, and we'd be like, you've got to use the back staircase, and they would be like, Why? It's like, because you came into a frat house, you assume there are no rules here. So we hit you with a rule the second you walk in. Now you understand there are some rules here. You're less likely to light something on fire. Oh, it's a great it's a great analogy. In the same way we were, you know, kind of minimizing the whole gardener leadership thing. Like, that should be his thing. You're the leader. You're the bald guy. You're the guy that's been here since 2008. You should be the one saying, Wade, you know what? You should be worried about making the team Get, get a haircut. You shouldn't be pushing. We signed Brett Gardner for a million dollars and a pair of scissors. That should have been the deal <laughs> instead of this Rubik's Cube of a contract. Another thing with Judge that I tweeted about today because they showed him shagging fly balls in the outfield. And there were like 10 outfielders standing behind him and they're shagging balls behind him. Like, guys, give some space. Like, I get it. You're all professionals, but you're all injured professionals all the time. So, like, let's give a little space. Just don't get hurt, and I feel like you're not doing everything to not get hurt. Dude, that was the classic of you played high school baseball and you were an outfielder where you're doing batting practice and you have seven guys standing next to each other dipping or, or spitting yeah. seeds, and the coaches are like, spread out, spread out, and you just ignore them. That That's what that Like, means. I get they were, all ta- they were all taking balls in right field, but form a line to the side, and then one guy goes out. Like, we're doing drills here, guys. We're doing drills for a reason. Because you're going to end up with, like, whatever the spring training schedule is, the amount of games. Like, I would say a 25% of those games aren't going to be played to completion because there's just not enough players, if not more than that. So, like, let's make the drills count so they can cut down on the games later. Exactly. And these guys have been doing drill these drills for 20, 30 years, some of them. You should know at, at this point how to do it safely. Um, one thing around the league that we saw, Albert Pujols going to be hanging him up. I believe his wife announced it on Instagram. That That's kind of what I saw. Everybody wants the Derek Jeter farewell tour now. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't care when like Jeter had his. Like I had to blog it at the time, and it was like, oh, you gave him a uh, paddle board? Thanks a lot. Padres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you going to do with that? Um, yeah, I mean, the guy deserves it. He's up there. You know, there, there's Barry Bonds, there's A-Rod, there's Pujols as, like, who are the best players ever or that, like, for that we've seen. And Pujols is clean. Like, there's no steroid anything. There was some talk of, like, how old is he early in his career? Um, but like he grew up, like he was from the St. Louis area, 
won World Series with the Cardinals, and then, you know, went and got paid, and they just never, like, the Angels wasted him and Mike Trout together. And they had Josh Hamilton too. Like, can't believe that none of the like none of that overlapped and turned out well. But yeah, if he wants a farewell tour, like that's fine. I haven't, you know, to talk about this, I haven't done uh, the research recently to speak informatively enough for it. But he either had or adopted a child or multiple children with Down syndrome, and with the idea being like, I have the resources to change, I think it was an adoption. I'm not 100%. I'm going to have to look it up so I don't sound totally stupid here. But I have the resources to change, you know, someone's life for the better who wouldn't have the opportunity that, you know, I can afford them because of my, like, financials. Um, And so, like, I think that's great. They have five kids. Yeah, no, that's awesome. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the best right-handed hitters ever. His start that he had, whatever it was, the first nine or ten years in St. Louis, like the uh, best start of a career ever. This is what it is. Albert Pujols, is, his wife has a daughter from a previous relationship who was born with Down syndrome. And so Pujols, not only, you know, there are people who have issues with, like, that's someone else's kid or whatever, was like, boom, not only am I in, we're going to have four more kids – I'm going to provide this child a life uh, that, you know, everyone deserves. And they um, they have, like, charities. They do a ton of stuff with that, which is awesome. He's very religious, which is not, you know, not my thing. But, um, like, good for him. Like, the guy's never done anything bad off the field. So, you know, the end of his career, yeah, he can't run the first base. But I like it. You know, good for him. I hope he gets everything that, you know, he deserves. Yeah. Albert Pujols is awesome. We love him. Kevin Mathers. Ah, this guy. This guy. How pissed do you think the other owners are at this guy? Because we were. It's like one of those things. Everybody knows it. Everybody's thinking it, but you don't say it. And he he really screwed up from an owner's perspective by basically admitting that every team manipulates service time except the Padres. And you know the players' union is going to use this as leverage in the next negotiations that are coming up at the end of the season. I mean, the Mariners organization is going to have so much – like, you can't go to arbitration with anyone. You can't have any – I mean, there are players right now who are at their spring training who can file grievances and win, like, easily. Um, it's like in the big short. Have you seen the big short? Nah. Okay, so in the big short – there's a part where they go down to, like, Florida where all these McMansions are for sale because people got these adjustable rate mortgages, da-da-da. And there's Schmidt from New Girl, like the actor who plays him, and another guy. And they're, like, the Wall Street guys who are going to short everything meet these guys at, like, a convention or something. And they're like, yeah, can we just ask you a couple questions? And they're just like... Yeah, so I find a stripper who's, like, all cash, and I give her, like, seven mortgages and, like, all this shit. And the main guy, played by Steve Carell, goes, I don't get it. Why are they confessing? So he goes, they're not confessing. They're bragging. And that's what happened here. Because it's like, why is this guy confessing he's doing it? He's just bragging about it. Because it was service time, like, just flat out saying there's a guy who was up for summer camp last year who you won't see till 2022. Uh, here's a guy who you will see in the middle of April 
and flat out because we're trying to keep his time down. He said Kyle Seeger was over uh, overpaid. So Kyle Seeger's wife was like, I, and said it's going to be his last year here. So his wife's like, I guess we're selling our house. <laughs> yeah. Um, he said Marco Gonzalez was boring because he doesn't yeah. throw hard. And then he said they're really good. Uh, Hispanic prospect was quote unquote loud and didn't understand English, which you cannot say. So there was a Japanese player who I'm not going to butcher his name who used to play for the Mariners. Who uh, he said, I'm gonna who reached out and was like, I want to, you know, I, I'd like a job with the franchise. And he so he goes, he's going to be like our ambassador to like Asian stuff and languages. <laughs> you know what's going on in the Japanese league. Um, and here's the good thing is like, you know, when we had him as a player, I got tired of paying his translator. It was, you know, we got him to a contract. Then we got to pay $75,000 for his translator. And when that came up, all of a sudden he could speak good English. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he said. It was wild. Um yeah, he said a lot of, of shit about, like, there were just players that come up, and he was just like, yeah, that's doesn't speak good English, and then we talk about them as a player and a person. It was like, he's judging everything on how good you speak English. He bragged that, so he was asked, what is your biggest concern? Like, what's the thing on your, like, mind right now? <laughs> and of all the things that the president of, an, I think he's a part owner, whatever, of a Major League Baseball franchise, he goes, well... I'm thinking about how the ballpark's not in a good neighborhood, so there's not a lot of good parking. So I could charge thirty, fifty dollars in my small parking garage, and because that's worth so much money, I make the employees park on like the other side of town, like in the bad areas oh that I just talked God. about. <laughs> Jesus. And, and why would you say that on a video call, like on a Zoom call? They're all recorded. Like, what was he thinking? To a Rotary Club. What is this, the 1950s? Yeah, I, I don't even no know what idea. a Rotary Club is. You can drive is. through a small neighborhood, and maybe they'll have a sign for, like, we've got, you know, whatever, the Ben Selim Rotary Club. I don't know what that means. I think it, it was just a thing in, like, um, Catch Me If You Can. Like, his dad was, like, president of the Rotary Club. That's, you say Rotary Club, I'm thinking Frank Abagnale, senior, not junior. Is that, like, an American Legion post thing? Like, just one of those old-time things that's not really around anymore? So, first of all, we're never going to slander American Legions on here. Not because I uh, – because, like, veterans and all that, but because they always have pull-tab lotto machines, which are a fucking addiction. <laughs> and I, the Legion – the Lege is what we call it, like, where I grew up. Eventually, like, you just became – like, one of your – all our friends became bartenders. It's supposed to be a place where veterans can – like, hey, if you're down on your luck, like, you get a, you know, you can bartend here. Like, that's uh, how it was okay. explained to me. But it just ended up being my jerk-off friends. And it'd be like, I don't know, <laughs> throw 20 bucks on the bar and drink for free all night. What is a Rotary Club? We're all learning together here. There are probably some people like, how do you not know? But I bet most of the people um, here do not know what a Rotary Club is. I have no idea. Um, it's an international service organization whose stated purpose is to bring together business and professional leaders in order to provide humanitarian services and to advance the goodwill and peace around the world. It's a non-political, non-religious organization open to all. Uh, sounds like a scam. It probably was this in like the 50s, but there was no way it's still – that's what it is. But yeah, I mean – we're out here trying to, like, tweet at players and get them, you know, you're trying to get Glaber's dad to, like, like your tweets as, like, an into him. Maybe we just got to start looking at Rotary Clubs. Yeah. Because they're getting – you think Jeff Passan joined a Rotary Club after this? Maybe. They're getting direct access, direct quotes. And he got he got fired, right, Mathers, like, immediately? I think mean, he stepped down, yeah, you know, okay. technically. But, yeah, because he was just – 
It was wild. I watched a video of it. And I was just like, what is this guy? There were so many times you're just like, what is this guy doing? And you know how Zooms are where it's like the person who's talking will pop up on the screen. And there are times when, like, all of a sudden, like, an other old white guy's face will pop on. And it was almost because, like, they gasped. And, like, it made it sound like, ooh. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite quote was where he was like, I would have played left field before we started this guy's You would have seen time. my like, belly what? out there in left field before you saw – my fat belly in left field before you saw this guy come up. And that was early in the call. Like, we were just – we hadn't even hit the racism yet when he did that. No, and I would say, oh, this you know this franchise is broken, but they've been broken for 20 years. They have the longest playoff drought. I think they haven't made it since 01 with Ichiro. Well, that's – he's just like – he was on there. He's like, we lost as, – as an industry, like, we lost $2.9 billion. And he's just talking about, like, but we kept that down. Like, the Mariners cut their losses <laughs> – by here's all the things that we did. And it's like, if you're a Mariners fan, too, it's like, okay, on top of, obviously, all the risk you just put the, the franchise at by saying how you're manipulating service time, you just flat out said, like, winning doesn't care to us, matter to us. It's just because you're the worst franchise right now. They, they are. This is a franchise that had Ken Griffey Jr., A-Rod, and Randy Johnson and got rid of all of them. Let them all go. The, I mean, they the wasted players of our generation. They had King Felix, nothing. They wasted the Ichiro years, you know, for a long time. It's a once proud franchise that now is just like, hey, we don't want to pay for your translator. Let's figure out some English. That, but yeah, no, the and you know the players' union when these negotiations start up. Now they have hard evidence to say you guys are manipulating service time. And before it was they knew it, but we didn't have any proof. Now there's proof, and I, and you think about how contentious these negotiations are going to be. There is so much bad blood right now. Oh my god! Like, and that's the thing. Like that's what pisses me off about this video and like this happening. Like obviously. Uh, you know, I wish everyone was a good person, yada, 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 but I'm a realist. Is like, this just puts, Kevin Mather just put the 2022 baseball season at risk. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, because this is going to be a thing that's hung up. You know, Tony Clark's not going to be like, nah, that's good. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, he just like, it's crazy. You know, wild man. Luckily, he's not. He's not in our organization. Cashman would never say anything like that. Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He's loud. His English is not tremendous. And the best he's is best prospect too. And the best is, did you see what he tweeted? Julio Rodriguez. He tweeted. He did a an awful, absolutely shitty Photoshop job of his face on Michael Jordan's body. And he just tweeted the picture of that, and I took that personally. <laughs> Like, good, have some fun with that. Yeah, you, and you know none of those players respect this guy. Got to be awkward. I don't even know who their manager is, but that, that's got to be an awkward situation for everybody at that camp. Kyle Seeger's overpaid. He's going to be a Mariner Hall of Famer, but this will likely be his last season with the team. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, oh, so that's what it was. What do you worry about? Here's the full quote, because I, I just pulled it up, and it's I, we're having so much fun laughing at this guy. <laughs> I worry about the neighborhood. You know, we have employees that show up at 4.15 and leave at 10 o'clock every night, and there's not enough parking. So I can get away with charging $30, $40, $50 to park in my tiny little garage across the street, so I don't let them park there. I have them park down on the other side of uh, Lumen Field, the Seahawks Stadium. 
And so I hire police to escort them to their cars. We got to do something about our neighborhood. I worry about once this pandemic is behind us, getting people to come out to T-Mobile Park. So he thinks he's saying a nice thing, but no. Jeez. So open, so open. It's like all stuff that you figure a lot of owners, you know, a lot of these scumbags are thinking or presidents or whatever, but you, you never hear him actually say it out loud. It's crazy, man. It frustrates me, he told the Rotary Club. For instance, we rehired Iwakuma. He was a pitcher for us for a number of years. Wonderful human being. His English was terrible. He wanted to get back in the game. He came to us. We quite frankly want him as our Asian scout interpreter. What's going on with the Japanese league? (laughs) He's coming to spring training. I'm going to say I'm tired of paying for his interpreter. When he was a player, we'd pay uh, his name X. And we'd also have to pay 75000 a year to have an interpreter with him. His English suddenly got better. His English got better oh when we God. told him that. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I got to Google his net worth. This At guy, least $10 million. He definitely, worth yo, it's million. so funny because um, if you, like, Google him and the picture that comes up, like, the main thing, like, this guy has no upper lip. Just no upper lip. It's such a, a white racist no upper lip. Oh, man. And so it's what? So what? Some net worth thing says his net worth is probably like a million dollars. No be way. To be saying no shit way. like that. No, he's the president CEO of a major league baseball team. Yeah, got to be worth at least $10 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He has no upper lip. I've seen a lot of pictures of him. No upper lip. Damn. We should have seen this coming. Uh, that was fun. This was a fun show. I enjoyed this. I'm excited it's for fun. baseball. There was way more to t- – and, and there's like there's way more to talk about than I thought. Like you think, oh, what are we going to talk about in February? But like shit starts going down. I will say that when games start like next week, I don't give a fuck about these games. Like I don't give a shit about the result. Just everybody – I don't even care how everyone plays. Everyone could go out there and stink and just stay healthy because I believe water finds its level – and let's not burn out all our home runs in spring training. Absolutely, and just stay healthy. And look, we'll lock in with Cole's pitching. Yeah, I'm going to watch wire to wire at least yeah. while he's on the nap. But no, no, I don't think anybody really sits here and watches first pitch no, to last. Do. Pitch. Come on, you've been on Twitter. You've been, there's a lot of fucking losers on Twitter. <laughs> there's a lot of losers. People who want who'd rather not win than win without judge. Have the or have the best 60, 60 guys. Everybody wants to have the best hundred guys. I just want to have the best 26. That's all it is. You got anything else? No. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JJ from the Bronx. Follow the show at George's Box Pod. You can follow Nick at NKirbyNYY. And uh, we will get back to everybody on the uh, social media slash video internship yeah. position. Yeah, Nick, we'll talk this week. We'll actually yeah. talk now that I'm yeah. in the house. Although like there's no video like we don't put out a video version of this part of having that person is there'll be a video version um i'm still i'm learning my new house obviously and you could tell that if you're watching the video because it is i'm sitting in a pitch black room i don't know it just got darker just got darker and darker and at one point i got up i gave you the like fingers to keep talking so i could go open the blinds because i had them closed so i'm learning how the sun sets i'm learning when i gotta turn lights on Man, this is... It's like when the Yankees moved into the new stadium. You gotta gotta learn your way around, you know, the dimensions. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, let me tell you, if my my light switch was a wild card game, I Severino'd the shit out of this. (laughs) 
We'll see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.